Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And our first story is Animal News. Okay, I'm really excited about this story. I'm just going to warn you, it's a, it's a little bit long. Um, okay. But I don't know, I think this is really fascinating. Uh, the Atlantic reports, spiders can fly hundreds of miles using electricity. <laughs> So I'm arachnophobic, so... Oh, boy. So this would be a fun ride for you. Just, yeah. Um, Sounds cool. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> so uh, they start off a little story. Uh, on October 31st, 1832, uh, Darwin walked onto the deck of his ship, the HMS Beagle, and realized that it had been boarded by thousands of tiny red spiders, even though the ship was 60 miles offshore. Um, oh, so the creatures have some, had somehow floated over from the Argentinian mainland. Uh, they don't have wings, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but they can still take the air in a behavior that's called ballooning, um, where they climb to an exposed point, raise their abdomens up into the sky, uh, like put up, like extrude some silk, and float away. Um, so. Uh, Scientists speculate that this could carry them away from predators and competitors or towards new places um, with abundant resources. They have been found up to two and a half miles up into the air and a thousand miles out to sea. (gasps) So they are able to travel some insane distances. Wow. So before it was speculated that ballooning works because the silk catches on the wind, um, dragging the spider, but it doesn't, that doesn't fully explain it because they only do this during light winds. They don't actually shoot the silk out of their abdomens, like with any actual force. Um, and gentle breezes probably wouldn't be able to pull the threads or like carry big ones or like actually generate any kind of acceleration for the, for the spider to, to take off. But, hmm. uh, two scientists at the university of Bristol have shown that spiders can sense the earth's electric field and use that to launch themselves into the air. What? I know. So that's one of the reasons this is such a this is such a long story is because they do explain it and it's like it actually makes sense even to somebody like me that doesn't okay. have like a lot I'm of science background. So very interested um, to know about this. So every day there are about forty thousand thunderstorms around the world, which turn Earth's atmosphere essentially into a giant circuit. Um the upper parts of the atmosphere have a positive charge and the planet's surface has a negative one. Um so even on sunny days with cloudless skies, the air has about a hundred volts for every meter above the ground. Um that's hmm. just like Electricity in the okay. air. Okay. Um, and that increases in foggy or stormy can, uh, weather. Um, when the silk leaves the spider's bodies, it picks up a negative charge because they're grounded. Um, but that repels similar negative charges on the surfaces on which uh, s- similar negative charges on the surfaces on which the spiders sit, which creates enough force for them to go into enough lift force for them to go into the air because um, they're so small and don't weigh that much. Oh, um, my gosh. So they can increase this force by climbing up onto, like, plants. And since plants are grounded, they also have that negative charge, but because they protrude into the air, which is positively charged, uh, it creates a substantial electric field between the air around them and the tips of the plants, and that allows them to uh, balloon more easily. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. That is so cool. So, like, <laughs> apparently... Uh, 
back in Darwin's time, even they were speculating about like electromagnetic repulsion being the way that these spiders oh, really? fly. Um, but it wasn't until relatively recently that um, a, physicist, a physicist named Peter Gorham uh, showed that it was mathematically possible. Only that was only in 2013. But now hmm. these two scientists have tested it with actual spiders. Um, so wow. first they demonstrated that the spiders can detect the fields. They put them on vertical strips of cardboard in the center of a plastic box and then generated electric fields between the floor and the ceiling of similar strengths to what the spiders would experience outdoors. Um, and those fields ruffled these tiny sensory hairs on the spider's feet. And the, those hairs are called uh, trichobothria. Never heard the term before. Hmm. Um, uh, but in response to this, the spiders started uh, performing the set of movements that are called tiptoeing. Um, so they stand up on their on like the tips of their legs and they stuck their abdomens up into the air, which is a behavior that they've only ever seen before spiders start to balloon. And even in this like enclosed box, many of the spiders managed to take off with no airflow whatsoever. Wow. So they ruled out that there was any kind of wind so it, influence. It just couldn't it be. was just the electricity. And as wow. soon as they turned off the fields, the spiders fell to the ground. <gasps> so they proved like without a shadow of a doubt that it's electricity that they're using to get themselves up in the <laughs> air. So crazy. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> so they speculate oh like gosh. the big distances are still probably air currents, but it's like this initial electric uh, force that gets them up into the air. And then once they're up there, they can potentially um, use those same hairs to gauge wind speed and direction. So they can actually use that to determine like where they'll, where they'll blow and like what direction. Um, and yeah, there's, so their study proves that this is all what's happening. And I just thought wow. that was super, super That's cool. really cool. <laughs> um, even if you don't like the idea of yeah, spiders I've, flying. I've always kind of known that spiders have the ability to float around, you know, yeah. like, cause I've, you know, have that experience where you're just walking, just minding your own business. <laughs> suddenly spider. And there's suddenly there's a spider. Yeah. On something like blowing in the wind, you know, like that's happened to me mm -hmm. before. So <laughs> I did know that they could do that, but I've never heard that about the electricity thing. That's super cool. So now you know, now you know why they're flying in your face. But it also kind of explains Spiders like... are really amazing. You know that in those general. times too? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just, really cool. Just, they have a lot of cool features. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Spiders are no, it's fine. Um, so it also kind of explains those times when you're just walking and you get like you feel like you have spider web on you like or you like get one on you yeah. and you don't know where it came from it's yeah. probably just like blowing through the wind or something probably like mm -hmm. ah that's so cool <laughs> it's just <laughs> animals are so <sighs> neat and spiders especially i just yeah i just love learning about these really seemingly advanced I, I can't think of the right word, like technologies that animals have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just like, they've just evolved to be able to do this. I know. They like, they've got like, like spider jetpacks before we ever had real jetpacks. Yeah. I mean, manner speaking, but. Oh, well, they don't even use any fuel, really. <laughs> right. It's, it's like just, a jetpack yeah, with just, no fuel. They just use the thread that they use for everything else. Right. And they also speculate in the article that they might read these electric fields to determine like when to move webs and things like that like oh if there's like maybe a storm or something coming oh like, okay since they can detect with those little hairs interesting yeah that's spiders. really cool spiders man 
Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Well, if, if Spider-Man can do whatever a Spider-Man can, or whatever a spider can, then he should be able to just fly, right? Right. What's all this swinging? Yeah. Spiders don't even do that. Huge plot hole. Yeah. Huge plot hole. So that was animal news. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, my first story is technology news. And this is reported from Wired. Mercedes will launch a self-driving taxi car in California next year. Oh, really? They are planning on a launch. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so this week, Mercedes-Benz parent company Daimler announced plans to launch a self-driving car pilot program somewhere in Silicon Valley next year. Um, Daimler's calling the service an automated shuttle. However, it will involve luxury vehicles. <laughs> it's going to start out using a fleet of S-class luxury sedans and B-class hatchbacks with long-term plans for vehicles specifically designed for ha- autonomous driving. So it's like fancy Mercedes, you know, yeah. driving um, as a taxi. Um, <laughs> Daimler is partnering with Bosch, one of the world's largest automotive suppliers, which has a strong track record in building active safety systems and some of the semi-autonomous systems now on luxury cars. The two companies will together work on the sensors these vehicles use to perceive the world and the software that makes the actual driving decisions. Daimler is still negotiating the particulars of the deal, um, they have not divulged which city will host the program, like specifically, or mm-hmm. how many cars will make up the robo fleet. But they do plan to have human safety drivers on board to keep an eye on the system. So there's still going to be a person in there, but okay. they're not actually doing anything. They're just watching it. Wow. Um, and then supposedly passengers will be able to request rides via an app and will be able to travel for free because it's like a pilot program. I think they're just testing basically. So you can just oh, use man, it for it's free. like free Uber. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uber and Lyft aren't going to be happy with that one. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think it's a strategic decision because people are probably afraid of getting into a car that doesn't really have a driver at this point. That's still like very, very new. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have like, they've gotten into accidents before. Yeah. They haven't really perfected it. I'm I'm honestly kind of surprised that they're like the city or whatever is allowing them to do it. Apparently they feel like the technology's ready to go. They're going to try it. So... I mean, I guess you're not. We're not going to get there unless we actually test it. So, yeah, like <laughs> I think they're, they're probably just like, no, let's just get out there and just start doing it. You know, like let's because yep. there's this huge like race happening right now. There's like all these companies uh-huh. that are like, oh, we're going to have the first one. You know, but yeah, it's inter- that's the first I've heard of like a luxury car brand too. That's like getting yeah, into same. it other than like I don't know Tesla probably is also looking at it. But yeah, yeah, but of course um, they are. But this is like, yeah, they're all centered in um, Germany and stuff, and the. Yeah. So, like, Germany's kind of known for, like, advanced engineering stuff, so it kind of makes sense, but, like... Right. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. That's so that's, that's really neat. The future is next year. <laughs> would you ride in one? I would. Yeah. I think I would. And the reason for that is that I feel like I understand the technology enough to trust it and kind of know what its limitations are and what... I don't know. It's I, I feel like it's technology is a lot scarier when you like don't understand anything about it. I feel right. like, and I've read things about autonomous vehicles and like AI systems and stuff, so I kind of know the general terminology and like what they're doing. So I feel like I understand it enough that it doesn't like scare me in that way. And I'm like, yeah, I know the kind of testing that this stuff has gone through and that how many sense. people are working on it, and like that's why. And um, honestly, as far as I know. Like, I guess I don't have the statistics. <laughs> I don't have the data to actually back this up, this statement right now. But as far as I know, all of the 
accidents and like issues that have happened so far with them have not really been the fault of the car. It's been yeah. like other people on the road doing something or like really, really bad driving conditions that a human would get could potentially something could happen to like right. if it was like super, super dark and foggy or something like that. It's like those types of conditions that where the failures happen. It's not like, like your average driving conditions. It's been fine. Yeah. So that's probably a good place to test it yeah. then. Cause I feel like more often than not, they have average driving conditions. Right. Day. Right. No that's going to be a challenge. Is like snow and rain. Yeah. Like we are driving to, would you ride in one? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. hundred <laughs> percent for sure. I trust, I trust a robot over a human driver any day of the week. <laughs> Some of the cars yeah. I've gotten in with people, like I'd well, I'd yeah, because you were sooner. just you were telling us what was that last episode or yeah, about there that, was that one um, person in that uh, not to be disclosed car in a uh, sharing a, ser- a ride a share service, service. Yeah, that the driver was watching a video while driving. Yes. Yeah, can't people do, that. do stuff like that. yeah. Robot, a robot can't eyes. do that. <laughs> it's Robots watching the road. Eyes. <laughs> it's literally doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're behind the wheels, watching the road at all times, and it's actually That's, seeing more yeah. of the road than you are. <laughs> Right. Or than a, it can a see more than so. you can see. It watches the road at all times. It can't stop watching the road. It can't break the laws because it's written not to. Like, right. I don't know. I trust. I would trust a robot over over a person. It doesn't get road rage. Yep. It can't get mad. Yeah. Can't get sad either. It's but really it's irrelevant here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah. On that note, (laughs) that was technology news. My next story is a real short one, but it's food news. And it's a, uh, it's an update on a, on a previous story. Ooh. Um, the New York Daily News reports, IHOP says the IHOP name change was only (laughs) for promotional purposes in not so shocking concession. (laughs) We all knew this, but yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> so in news that doesn't surprise anyone at all, IHOP announced on Monday in a Twitter post that it's going back to its original namesake, foregoing the burger-centric moniker it adapted as part of a marketing ploy to sell its Black Angus beef burgers. Um, <laughs> again, not, no one's surprised by any of this. <laughs> it's just right. the fact that there's, they had to make an announcement about this is just, <laughs> is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> To, to quote, celebrate, IHOP announced in the same tweet that it will be selling 60 cent short stacks on July 17th, which is its 60th anniversary, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So that's some, like, real cheap pancakes if, right. you're, if you're into that. And if you can forgive them for being so stupid. <laughs> also, I really like this quote from that tweet. We'd never turn our backs on pancakes, parentheses, except for that time we faked it to promote our new burgers. <laughs> What are you doing? I <laughs> Who is in charge of this marketing? I don't know, but they need to let it die. You're, you're, I mean, it's funny. I'm laughing. Oh, but, yeah. And, and, and I think you, if the goal was to increase awareness of the burgers, you achieved that goal. So oh, I guess from sure. that perspective, good job. But it's just really goofy. But I, uh, yeah, so, it just. <laughs> but maybe that's what they were going so, for. I don't so know. It's so strange. Um, Can and I? There are two more. Go ahead. Real quick things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, just a, a recap, I guess. Uh, they set off a storm of negativity across the internet when they first announced the switch um, to IHOB, quote, for the time being back in early June. So it's not even been like 
they stuck with it for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, IHOP. Um, and then they quoted, I don't know why they include these quotes. Some Twitter crit- critics have called the rebra- rebranding, quote, awful and an epic fail. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> the only thing I care less about <laughs> than the, <laughs> less about than the IHOP name change is what people on Twitter think about the IHOP <laughs> name change. <laughs> Yeah, what did it say that people said? Twitter critics? Twitter critics. That's not a what thing. Does that even mean? That's just a person on Twitter who has a <laughs> yeah, thing to say. Right. Ugh. No. It's ridiculous. No. I'm just I'm shooting that down. Yeah. We do not care about that. <laughs> Alex has decided that tr- Twitter critics do not exist. <laughs> they exist, but they don't matter. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> This probably isn't that funny, but I just wanted to ask you if you've looked at the burger menu there at all, because no. I haven't, haven't, and no. I wanted to know if I could get a burger with a short stack of pancakes on it. See, now that would be because, something to promote. Because. Or like. It just popped into my head when you said black Angus beef burgers. I was just waiting for like, with a pancake. Like, or a burger that has like pancakes for buns. Yeah. Like, that'd be funny. Yes. I get on board with that. But this is just, yes. no, we also have burgers. Come on. I no, it's nobody, boring. Nobody goes there for burgers. Make the buns also pancakes. Make the buns also pancakes. Make each bun a make short each stack. Bun a sh- <laughs> yes. Yes. That's <laughs> what they need to do. They need to make it a short stack burger with the normal burger toppings. Exactly. And another short stack and make it and call it the ultimate IHOP burger. Exactly. Yeah. To see. There you what, go. Why are, who That's are these people marketing want. people? We should be the marketing people for IHOP. I know. Clearly. It's we di- know what the people uh, want. It's ridiculous. We know what the Twitter critics want. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they we don't care what tw- they think. They wouldn't have Twitter critics if that was on their menu. That's true. Just so. Twitter supporters, I guess. Yeah. Sure. I don't use Twitter. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, a short food news update. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to call this next story trending news Ooh. from CBS News. Okay. TV commentator's cat climbs onto his head during interview. <laughs> that sounds right. <clears throat> a Polish TV commentator had a surprise visitor jump into his interview last week. His cat leapt right onto his shoulders, curled itself around his head, and stayed there <laughs> while he was being interviewed for like about like <laughs> political Polish stuff. Um, historian and political scientist Jerry Targlaski was discussing Poland's Supreme Court on a Dutch news program when his cat hopped into the spotlight. <laughs> Targlaski just kept talking to journalist Rudy Bauma as his cat stood on his shoulders. During the talk, Targlaski looks almost unfazed by the cat. <laughs> when the cat's tail blocks his eyes, he gently brushes it away. He doesn't knock the cat down. He merely holds the tail so it doesn't keep covering his face. Uh, the interview was pre-taped, so the cat on his head thing was not actually seen on TV. But there's a whole video of it happening, oh. and it's been going around social media. <laughs> so you should look it up. That's adorable. Because it's this like old guy like talking about Brit- um, sorry, Polish politics. And just this cat just like, climbs up his side and wraps its body around his Clearly, just, like, this has happened before. He's just not phased by it. He's just standing there, like, continuing to talk and just was like, mm-hmm. he regularly wears cat scarf. Like, <laughs> cat scarf Probably. is a common occurrence in that household. Probably. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, it was, it was pretty funny. It sounds adorable, too. So, that was trending news. All right. The last story I have is also technology news. 
and it is uh, this one's reported by BuzzFeed. I don't think I've ever actually pulled a story from BuzzFeed before, which is surprising to me because they they tend to have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, Facebook is launching AR in ads to lure people to try on products advertised on the site. Have you seen anything about this? No. So they announced that they're rolling out augmented reality ads that will allow users to try out sunglasses, makeup, and furniture right from the newsfeed. So you know how like Snapchat has like the sunglasses filters and that kind of thing? But Well, they're basically expanding that so you can like try on actual products. Whoa! Like in an an AR. I know. Like normal. I saw you you think like, oh, Facebook ads, whatever. But this sounds kind of fun. Like, yeah, this sounds like, oh, cool. A Snapchat filter in an ad. And I can see what these sunglasses look like on my face before I buy them. Yeah, that seems really cool. Um. So they announced this uh, this technology uh, for Messenger and Instagram back in May, but now it's talking about bringing it to its actual website. Uh, okay. The first brand that's going to test it is Michael Kors. They make sunglasses, I guess. Yeah, lo- I think they make um, sunglasses and like purses, bags. Okay, I think are they like a luxury brand or something? Because I've no, no, I'm not really familiar. Have you ever watched Project Runway? No. Okay, he's one of the judges. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's something. So he. I'm not into like fashion really, but he's like a fashion designer and has a line of like accessories, I think. Definitely a recognizable name for most people then probably. Yeah. It's like one of those names that you probably like have heard of, but you don't really know. Right. Unless you are into like designer luxury type products like that. Like if you have a lot of testosterone, (laughs) (laughs) call back. (laughs) Remember last week? (laughs) Um, but yeah, you can try them on and then you can make a purchase right from within the ad. So you can be like, I like these and then click. And they're, that's and they're ama- yours. That's so cool. Isn't that such a great idea? Yes, that is a brilliant idea. Like it makes so much sense and it's probably going to work work out really well. Yeah. Um, so other brands that are going to be testing this later this summer, uh, Sephora, uh, Nick's Professional Makeup, Bobby Brown, Pottery Barn, and Wayfair. Um so, like, the, for the furniture ones, it'll be, like, you use the rear-facing camera and you can, like, see what the furniture looks like in your home, which is also super cool. Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, Wayfair and Amazon have actually experimented with this on their own platforms before. And CoverGirl partnered with Walmart in February to allow consumers to try their makeup on virtually within a browser. So, a couple of sites have done this before, but... That would be super useful for lipstick. Mm-hmm. I can see that being useful for a lot of like, for, and I'm sure other for things too, a lot of like people who wear makeup, like you can see it on your own skin, mm-hmm. assuming the, the AR is pretty accurate and right, right. Assuming it's accurate. Cause right. that is hard to do. I mean, it's not like it's clothing. Not like can, it's not like you can like try it on. Right. Like sunglasses you can try on in a store at least, but like yeah. makeup, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to put on this lipstick. Yeah. And, oh, oh, let me just open this like up that. and put it on my <laughs> lips. Like you can't do that. You just have to like estimate by the colors that it shows on the thing, but they're not always super accurate. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're planning on making the ad technology available to all advertisers at the end of this year. Um, so probably going to start wow. seeing, I imagine we'll see a lot of those because there's so many products it seems like that could apply to. Yeah. Like maybe not. Clothes like, would be difficult, but... I think they could do clothes. Like, like what maybe you if you, you have to like, if you like set up, set your camera up, like standing up somewhere, maybe. Yeah. Like you, if it was further away from you, right. I'm you sure just, they like, could make it. In front of it. I'm sure they could put, do something like they that. They could put the clothes on you. They could probably try like new hairstyles and stuff too. I don't know. Oh. How you, I don't know if you advertise that really, but. 
Yeah, that'd be a little different. Unless it was like a hair salon and you're like, ooh, ooh what if you I could, could do this what at if our I, salon. You could do like AR tattoos and see what a tattoo would look like before you yes. got it. Just like hold that up on your skin. I'm surprised that's not a, like an app. That should be a thing. Write it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, nobody nobody take that idea. <laughs> that's Anthony's idea. I, you I, heard it here first. <laughs> copyright, copyright me. So, uh yeah, but like, wow, that is such a normally good idea. advertising that's news brilliant. is such a is such a bummer. But I thought that was really that sounds like such a just a brilliant. Well, yeah, use of I mean, the I think that's like a win win situation because I think that having a technology like that could help them sell more stuff and also mm-hmm. help people to be more satisfied with stuff that they buy because you're not going like, to buy something and then like oh this doesn't actually look like what I thought like, and like leave it to advertising too to like improve this technology or lead like put money into improving it like I think I. Mm-hmm. I think we could see advances in AR because like advertisers want to use it to oh, accurately yeah. portray things on like people's faces. Like especially mm-hmm. like I keep coming back to the makeup, but I feel like the like blending it with the skin tone and stuff over a camera could potentially be tricky and it'll be interesting to see what like advances come from that yeah. kind of thing. Cause we know they can put Super sunglasses cool. on my face. I've right. Used, I've I mean, used that... a Snapchat filter. <laughs> they could put yeah, makeup putting, on there too, I guess. Putting... But... <laughs> well, but it's not realistic looking. Right. It's all, it's all cartoony, cartoony kind of stuff. So they can, they've done like object in front of you kind of stuff, but things that might have be like multidimensional or like more subtle. Depend on your skin tone. Yeah. That is probably a harder challenge. Yeah. That sounds super cool. Fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) That was technology news. Cool. All right. My third story is a science news from CNN. Scientists have discovered the world's oldest color. According to a recent study, bubblegum pink is the world's <laughs> oldest color. Yes. <laughs> Researchers discovered the ancient pink pigments in 1.1 billion year old rocks deep beneath the Sahara Desert, making them the oldest colors in the geological record. According to Dr. Noor Guinelli, who discovered the pigments as part of her PhD studies at Australia National University, the bright pink colors are more than 500 million years older than the next oldest known pigments and were produced wow. by ancient ocean organisms. Huh. Uh, to discover the pigments, researchers crushed billion-year-old rocks into powder <laughs> and extracted and analyzed the molecules of ancient organisms within them. So pink. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> that's pink? not what you would think, though. Like, that's not right? what you would... I would assume, like brown yeah <laughs> right like a brown or, or green maybe yeah green is in nature a lot you know like why isn't yeah that? exactly like i know blue is like the is they consider it like one of the newer colors because it didn't yeah. have a name for so long or whatever but right but pink pink that's just not what i would have guessed something even that's like what the it is. red or orange fame i guess it's a light so red it did say um <laughs> in this article it said that the rocks themselves visually would have appeared like different warm colors like that. Like they probably would have appeared red or orange, but the pigment itself was like a pink pigment. All right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. That's, um, Oh, that's so cool. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. (laughs) The oldest color. Um, I don't know why this matters, (laughs) But it was cool. I, and there's actually was a second half of this article where they were talking about like the organisms that created the pigments and like different research going on with those. But I didn't. Yeah. That's kind of like a separate. It was like part two. 
more research was done with these organisms, but <laughs> the yeah. oldest pigment is pink. It's pink. That's therefore pink is the best color. No, I'm just kidding. I guess I no, that's not true. That's not, true. not the best color. It's not the best color. It's not. I totally take that back. What do you think the best color is? Well, my favorite color is purple. I know that. I see. I didn't. Yeah. So. It's your but favorite is it the color. Best is it color? the best color though? Hmm. Because my favorite color is green, and I think the best color is also green. <laughs> I am going to have to say that I think purple is the best color. And the most important. Yeah. Okay. It's the prettiest, and <laughs> it makes you happy, you know? That's to true. To look at it. See, green makes, well, it makes me, me happy. So. so, I mean, purple makes me happy, too. <laughs> I guess green makes me happy, too. I guess all the colors make most me happy. Most of the colors make me happy. I'm not big None on th- yellow. Yeah, I was just going to say yellow. Uh, I don't know. Sorry, yellow. So we've decided that purple is the best color. No, we have not. (laughs) Well, I think we've decided. (laughs) Okay. Fine. It seems we are at an impasse. (laughs) (laughs) It's purple, green, then the other ones. Purple and green are tied for first, and then it's the other ones. Okay. And then yellow. I'll agree to that. Cool. Okay. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Colors. (laughs) Colors. (laughs) Colors. <laughs> On that note, oh, we're done with our prepared stories. Yes, we are. Oh my goodness, Anthony, it's time for breaking news. <laughs> what was that voice? I don't know. So breaking news is uh, here. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a stab at it since you're <laughs> laughing. Uh, it's a part of the it's the <laughs> It's a part of the show where we uh, we look up stories that just happened, like today, hopefully, and we and we tell you about them. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Go. So my story uh, is from Mashable.com, and the headline reads: "Giant newly discovered dinosaur was literally a huge weirdo." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so the headline's funny, but it's actually a pretty fascinating story. Um, so scientists uh, discovered a new dinosaur, and it was a, it was a few years ago they actually discovered it, but they published a study earlier this week in the journal Nature, Ecology, and Evolution um, that uh, details this dinosaur known as Ingentia prima, which mm. means first giant. Hmm. It's uh, one of the first... Uh, giant dinosaur, or one of the earliest giant dinosaurs to ever be discovered now. Um, so the new finding reveals that giant dinosaurs evolved at least 30 million years earlier than sauropods like Brachiosaurus or Titanosaurus, like those big ones with the long necks. Yeah. Um, which completely changes our understanding of how the huge beasts um, came about. Uh, it's an, it's huh. an unexpected new discovery, says one of the scientists, uh, or one of the paleontologists, excuse me, Steve Brissett. <laughs> I don't know. How, do you think they get picky about that? I don't, I don't know. know. Um, so scientists used to think that huge dinosaurs evolved in a very specific way. Um, in order to be so large, they needed to have straight legs with bones that grew at a steady rate over a relatively long period of time. But this new dinosaur completely throws a wrench into that model because not only does it have bent legs, um, so it, it actually it is kind of elephant-like in its body structure, hmm. um, even though it has like a longer neck and, and bigger tail. Um, and uh, 
and they grew at like a more regular pace. They actually grew like seasonally. They would go through growth spurts and get bigger and bigger rather than like the gradual uh, model that scientists kind of assumed uh, these giant huh. these giant dinosaurs ha- uh, dinosaurs had. Um, so they are part of the sauropodomorph group, which uh, the sm- the earlier ones were small and walked on their hind legs. They're like those little ornithopods, the ones like in Jurassic Park that are all like running and oh, like yeah. have the little long necks. Um, so they're in that same group, and this group of dinosaurs has existed from the beginning of dinosaurs until the very end of dinosaurs. So there's a whole bunch of different types, but this is a this is a new type that they call um, uh, a lessomsaurid. I don't know. I'm probably hmm. butchering that one. Um, but this is the first that of that group that they knew um, to grow to more than ten tons. Um, which is, wow. and they grew back in the Triassic period, which is about 215 million years ago, which is much earlier than we thought that dinosaurs got big. And That's they don't really so know big. why. They <laughs> they don't really know why they got big at that point. Huh. Um, and I thought this was kind of an interesting point that I don't never really thought about, but um, usually things evolve by chance, says one of the paleontologists, but it works well enough in an environment that it gets passed down and sticks around. Yeah. So, there might not have been a reason. It just they happened just to happened. be big, and it ended up working out for them. So they yeah. passed it along. Being bigger can like uh, can be a defense against predators because you got a bigger body size. So it's kind mm. of it's harder to eat all of you, I guess. <laughs> 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 that makes sense. I mean, to some extent, yeah. I'm not a. I'm no paleontologist. Me neither. But, I'm no uh, paleontologist. I do like dinosaurs. Don't add us. Don't add us, uh, um, uh, guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum? Who's, who's <laughs> no, I was thinking the other guy, but Jeff Goldblum works too. <laughs> I was like, who's a famous paleontologist? Uh, I don't think I know any off the top of my head. You mean you don't know? <laughs> Are you looking up famous Shh. paleontologists? <laughs> you don't know Steve Brissett, who I mentioned earlier in this story? <laughs> Well, I do now. See? Don't add us, Steve. We're not paleontologists. Don't add us, Steve. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. We're just looking at this article. Yeah. About big old dinosaurs. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That was my story. Okay, I'm very excited for the one I found. Yay. This is from CNN, and the headline is, A burglar called the cops for help after breaking into an escape room and not being able to find his way out. (laughs) That is so many levels of poetic justice. (laughs) I know. I know. It's cold. (laughs) In Vancouver, Washington, a man had to call the police for help after he broke into uh, NW Escape Experience. And couldn't get out. Is this Northwest? I don't know what this is. I don't know what the NWS stands for. It's a, it's an escape room establishment called Escape Experience. And this okay. guy broke into it and got stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, once we got down there to the business and realized the damage was minimal, we just thought it was hilarious, owner Rob Bertrand told CNN Tuesday. <laughs> Me too, Rob. <laughs> When he, quote, when he got in, he just kind of made himself at home, Bertrand said. He actually stole one beer from the refrigerator. <laughs> Police say he also had a burrito. <laughs> um, in addition to the beer, the man also allegedly stole a cell phone and a TV remote. 
The man then tried to get out the back door, Bertrand said, but he had damaged it so badly trying to get in, he couldn't open it. So he called 911 using the phone at the front desk. Eventually, he did manage to get out the back door, only to run into a police officer who promptly arrested him, Bertrand said. <laughs> the suspect faces a charge of second-degree burglary. <laughs> And then um, it's funny. Then it goes on to be like, he was inside the business for at least 35 minutes. Usually people spend about an hour in escape rooms. (laughs) (laughs) He beat the time. (laughs) There's this quote at the end. The owner, he did call 911. That's not a win. He quit. (laughs) I was going to say, does that count as a life hack for a... For escape rooms, you <laughs> call nine one one. Hey, I'm out. I got out in ten minutes. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. Make sure to subscribe to Nick Night News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, all those other services. Uh, and uh, while you're there, uh, rate and review. Give us a nice review. We like we like reading them. They're really fun. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at News. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye.